0: Welcome to Scuba Shack Radio, episode ninety-eight, recorded Monday, November twenty-first, two thousand and twenty-two. ScubaShack Radio is a bi-weekly podcast in support of our mission to empower individuals with knowledge, ability, and experience to venture underwater in pursuit of their aspirations and to advocate for ocean health and sustainability. Hello again, everyone, and thank you for tuning in to this latest episode of Scuba Shack Radio. I'm your host, Jeff Centropino. Well, yes, a big thank you for tuning in. I think this month we're going to hit a record number of, of listens for uh, Scuba Shack Radio. Uh, probably it comes out of uh, that podcasting panel that I did with Tech and, and the gang down there at DEMA. But we're on pace to really push our limits with downloads uh, for the month of November. So thanks to everyone who continues to listen to the show. And to all you new listeners out there, hope you're enjoying it. Well, it is Thanksgiving week here in the United States, and that's a time for us to reflect back and think about all the things we have to be thankful for. Sometimes we take too many things for granted, and you just have to look at the news from around the world to understand just how fortunate we are here in the United States. Also, a lot of people have a four-day weekend, a lot of companies out there give their employees the day after Thanksgiving off, and that's always nice. And you get to take advantage of those big sales that go on this time of year. Now, I don't think big Fr- Black Friday is as big as it once was with all the online shopping and other alternatives. But in any event, we'll be at the shop this Friday and Saturday and hope to see some folks out and about. Last week, we had our new Alkin W32 compressor installed. It was time to retire our old compressor, which had just become, it, it served us well, but the maintenance costs were just getting too high and reliability was becoming an issue. We just couldn't chance being down as we approached the 2023 dive season. We're all set now thanks to Aiden and the Alcon crew out in New Jersey. On today's episode, we're going to have another installment of Sea Hunt It's Still Alive. And this is, I'm going to take you back to 1960 for an episode titled Asylum. But first up is Wet Notes, my news and information update. This is Wet Notes here on Scuba Shack Radio for Monday, November 21st, 2022. First up today... I want to give you a bit of an update from the Coral Restoration Foundation down in Key Largo. Now, I had a chance to swing by their booth in Orlando and got a little bit of information on an upcoming event in 2023. It's what they call Coral Palooza. Now, it's been a while since they've had this one day event, and that's where uh, divers go out and they try to outplant as many corals as possible in that one day. Obviously, the pandemic impacted them in 2020 and 2021, and they thought that they would be able to get back into water in 2022. Well, Mother Nature stopped that from happening as there was an impending storm hitting the Keys, so they canceled. But now, Coral Palooza 2023 is scheduled for June 10th. Now, the event's going to take place in both Key Largo and Key West, and they expect it to fill up fast. But you can get an early notification on registration by signing up on their website. You'll get a 48-hour jump on the open registration. So if you're thinking about being part of CRF's Coral Palooza 2023, you might want to get on their early notification list and not get shut out like all those Taylor Swift fans. As divers, we love our nitrox, boost up the oxygen in our breathing gas, and gain all kinds of benefits. Well, oxygen is oxygen, right? Well, sort of, but there are different grades. Now, I recently attended a lecture by Francois Berman, who is is Divers Alert Network's Vice President of Safety Services, and the lecture was on breathing gas quality. Now, during that lecture, Francois touched on the various O2 grades, and he also had a short article in Alert Diver about oxygen grades. Essentially, the grades are based on the the purity levels in the O2. At the bottom is industrial O2. That oxygen is used for combustion, cutting, oxidation, or chemical reactions, and this grade is not for breathing. Then, you move up to medical grade. It is purer than industrial, and you can breathe this, but you're going to need to get a prescription to get it. One level up in purity and moisture content is aviator grade. That's what we use here to blend our nitrox. And then finally, there's an ultra-pure grade, mainly used in high-end manufacturing of electronics and things like that. Now, according to Francois' article... Both medical grade and aviator grades are appropriate breathing gases. Check out the Q4 issue of Alert Diver from Dan. Recently, Scuba Shack joined the National Business Coalition for, o- for the Oceans, and that's in partnership with Oceana. This National Business Coalition for the Oceans unites businesses from across the country And it's essentially to win policy victories that protect our oceans, coastal communities, and the economies that depend on them. Well, scuba diving certainly depends on healthy oceans. In our welcome package, there were links to a number of publications from Oceana. And I did take a look at the fall 2022 Oceana Oceana magazine. And in the CEO notes from Andrew Sharpless, he said that if you only look at one page, go to page 20, which outlines all the victories uh, for Oceana in 2022. So I did. Some of those things were California enacted some of the boldest plastic pollution reduction legislation, while the National Parks Service put protections in place against single-use plastic. And Coca-Cola pledged to reduce single-use bottles and introduce reusable packaging in bottles. The Philippines implemented marine ecosystem protections, and the U.S. increased marine protection by 25,000 square miles. And there are many more examples. I think down the line, I might do a deeper dive into Oceana. In the meantime, you can check them out at usa.oceana.org. The nation's attic is at it again. If you're a collector of vintage dive gear, you really don't want to miss out on their next auction. The Winter 2022 Diving Into History auction is set to take place on Saturday, December 10th. That's the same day as the Army-Navy game. Now, I took a look at some of the stuff that's out there right now. And while there aren't really a lot of vintage regulators, um, that's what I kind of focus on, more items are always added all the time. If you're into helmets, they did have a couple of interesting old helmets. There was an A.J. Morris helmet that was used in the construction of the Golden Gate Bridge, and then there was a 1943 U.S. Navy Mark V that they apparently used to dive on the Arizona in Pearl Harbor. And if you like old watches, I saw a, Rolex, a 1964 Rolex Submariner that was owned by a Navy SEAL. Now, these items are quite pricey. The auction starts at 11 a.m. Eastern Time and moves along at a very brisk pace, so you'll want to register early and get ready to snag some vintage dive gear, just in time for the holidays. Well, if you're an up-and-coming novice underwater photographer or a pro, you might want to enter the Underwater Photographer of the Year Award 2023. Submissions are being accepted now until January 7th, 2023. There's a lot more information on their website. It's, the website is underwaterphotographeroftheyear.com. You can find out all the details about how to submit your photos and take a look at last year's winners, so you know what you're up against. If you're interested, you'll need to create an account at UPY2023. And looking at the wards from last year, I'm definitely not going to be entering. And finally, it's now official. Cobalt Coast Resort on Grand Cayman has been sold, and it's no longer part of the Clearly Cayman and Reef Diver Resort family. Cobalt Coast was acquired by Clearly Cayman seven years ago, and it was recently sold to an undisclosed buyer. We tried to find out what would become of the property, and there was one rumor out there that it was going to shift to a residential type of property, mainly supporting those who work on Grand Cayman. Clearly, Cayman now has three properties, two in the Caymans, the Little Cayman Beach Resort and Cayman Brack Beach Resort. Their third property is on South Caicos, the East Bay Resort. The last day of operation for Cobalt Coast was last Saturday, November 19th. Now, I talked with Clearly Cayman, and they don't have any plans currently for a property on Grand Cayman. Their press release to us indicated that they would now be able to reinvest in their current properties. Perhaps those two new buildings at the Little Cayman Beach Resort will get started. That was supposed to happen in 2020, and, well, we all know what happened then. Well, if they do get those buildings up on Little Cayman, I sure hope that there will be some more flights into the island. Maybe get that runway extended a little bit for some bigger planes. But I doubt that will ever happen. Well, that's it for this latest installment of Wet Notes here on Scuba Shack Radio. It's time for another installment of Sea Hunt. It's still alive here on Scooby Shack Radio. And this time we're headed back to season three, episode one, titled Asylum. The episode also is called Canal Escape. Asylum premiered on January 9th, 1960. The episode opens up with Mike telling us about being underwater in the natural world. He enjoys exploring the ocean floor caves, or nature, just then we see a shark swim by. But he also tells us man-made waterways are a whole different story. Next, we're taken to the Nassau Beach Lodge, where Mike is enjoying lunch with a woman. But he's called away to his room. He has a visitor. When Mike gets to his room, he is met by Lee Bellum from the State Department. Lee is there to enlist Mike in a non-official nonpartisan mission. Mike's only question is, is it legal? Lee assures him it is. And I'm not so sure about that. You see, Mike's mission is to head down to Costa Delta, an island off the coast of South America, and liberate Fernando Casca, an opposition newspaper editor and potential liberator of his country and the free world. Fernando has gained asylum in a friendly embassy in Costa Delta. The embassy is not on the coast, but there is a boathouse that's on one of the canals that cuts across the island. Mike has to go in, find Casca, teach him how to dive, and get him out. That's all there is to it. Except the canals are closely guarded with harbor patrols. Mike suggests that he goes in on foot first to scope it out, but Lee tells him that Mike is too well known to just show up in Costa Delta. The scene now shifts where a seaplane is landing on the water. Mike is on board, and he will get dropped well outside the harbor. He jumps in off the pontoon with his doubles and tells us he's going deep to avoid the harbor patrol boats. Fortunately, the water is not clear keeping him concealed. He navigates to his first point, a buoy. That's lap one complete. He surfaces to see the guards on the ramparts and the patrol boat racing around. He descends and now has to navigate to the canal entrance, but he's off by a few degrees and he hits the seawall. Lap two is done. He once again surfaces to get get his bearings, descends And he whips out a cellophane map. He's got to find the opening in the grill that protects the canal entrance. When he finally spots the grill, he tells us that he's breathing easier, but not too heavily. He doesn't want the guards to spot his bubbles. As he makes his way into the break of the grill, we see a trumpet fish hanging out. He's in luck and he slips into the canal. Mike is fearful that the barrage of bullets will come down on him if his bubbles are spotted. As he makes his way down the canal, he spots a ladder and makes a mental note. I think we'll see that ladder again. Just then, he also sees a guard on the side of the canal. The only way past is to hold his breath. Hmm, what's that number one rule in diving? Suddenly, a group of kids come and jump in the canal to go swimming. Their splashing distracts the guard, and Mike slips by. He's on his final lap to the embassy annex. He surfaces and sees the boathouse. Wow, that that boathouse looks familiar. Mike has traveled over a mile and enters the boathouse and surfaces. Well, it is the same boathouse that we saw in Season 4 from Confidential Mission. I think it's even the same scene. Mike creeps up to the door and listens intently, then slowly opens the door in full scuba gear, including his fins. He enters the rooms, and we spot a chess set, someone has been recently playing, and he hopes he isn't a pawn. Mike doffs his fins, and he goes over to a gun case. He opens it, crouches down, and starts loading a rifle. Suddenly, we hear someone say, going hunting, old man? It's Lloyd Chelford, the military attache to the embassy. They they never did tell us what embassy Fernando was in, but Lloyd had a very distinctive British accent. He says he was expecting Mike Nelson 20 minutes ago. Next, Fernando Casca comes in. He tells Mike that he's gone through a lot of trouble for one man. Mike tells him that he's gone through a lot of trouble for thousands. No time to delay, though. Lloyd tells Mike he has one hour to restore and replenish and one hour to train Fernando in scuba. There can be no, do- no delays. A storm is coming. In the next scene, we're inside the boathouse where Mike is giving final instructions to Fernando. Lloyd says, Vio candias, old man as they submerge and head out into the canal. Everything is going okay as Fernando is handling himself well. That's until his mask fills with water and he can't clear it. Mike tells us there's nothing more horrifying to a new diver, but they cannot surface with guards all around. To make matters worse, they must hold their breath to pass by. Mike signals Fernando, but he doesn't understand. So Mike has no choice but to turn off his air by grabbing his regulator hose and pinching it off. So if a flooded mask is horrifying, can you imagine no air? But Mike drags him along, and they make it past the guard, but they need to get out of the water. That's where that ladder comes in. They both climb out. Fernando is coughing and choking. Finally, he recovers, but now they must get off the side of the canal. They head up to the bridge. It's not safe there either, so they do a giant stride back into the canal. You guessed it, Fernando's mask again fills with water. They get back through the entrance, but Fernando's points to the surface. Once on the surface, a guard spots them, blows his whistle, and alerts the harbor patrol boat. They speed towards Mike and Fernando. They must descend and take advantage of the water as perfect camouflage. Mike is pulling Fernando along as they make it to the buoy, the home stretch. The boat is circling and trying to find them as the seaplane makes its appearance. The rendezvous is on, except there is an unexpected reception committee, the patrol boat. Two gunmen on the bow of the patrol boat begin firing, but the plane is too far away. Mike and Fernando get into the plane as they lift off. Mike tells us that the escape was close, too close. But now for Casca, the fight for freedom was only just beginning. Well, I guess by the latter part of season four of Sea Hunt, they realized that the show would be ending, so they started repurposing scenes like Asylum in Confidential Mission. I know that's what happened in the final episode titled Roundup in 1961. But that's okay. Sea Hunt will continue to stay alive here on Scuba Shack Radio. Once again, I want to thank everyone for listening and all you new listeners out there. Hope you're enjoying the show. I'll be back again in a couple of weeks with more. Until then, stay safe and take care, everyone.